Well, we are uh, talking about prophecy uh, on our Sunday night uh, uh, series of messages, and we're going to talk about the Antichrist tonight. It'll it'll be a two-parter because there's a lot, well, probably a three-parter before I get done. There's a lot I want to cover um, with what's going on in our world right now concerning the Antichrist. You know, if you have any kind of, even a, 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 uh, a surface knowledge of human history, we have seen over the course of that history many tyrannical world leaders, uh, uh, Stalin, Lenin, Pol Pot in Cambodia, Saddam Hussein, Mussolini. Probably the, the one that comes to mind first and foremost would be Adolf Hitler, right? And you consider his reign of terror, you know, the, the systematic uh, destruction of six million or so Jews, I mean, give or take, it's, it's, it's a great number uh, that were killed during his, uh, his uh, despotic reign. And his also desire to conquer the world. I, I always have this question, how did he come in, or how did he come to have so much power? Why, what, what was it that he did to, to draw people in to convince him that, that his way was going to change the world or, or to pave a better path for the people of Germany. He really believed that he could uh, be the emperor of the entire world. That's, that's, that's the, the kind of crazed uh, reality that he lived in. But how did he come to have so much power? And a, a couple of things as you read the, the history books and, and you, you read some of the things that were said about him in the time was, number one, he, he started by mesmerizing, mesmerizing uh, the notions of the young people of the nation. He went after the young people's mind, talking about the, the high school, the college age, the ones, the, 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 the young singles, the young marrieds, those who would be, quote, the future uh, or the near future of, of future Germany. So he, he got to them, and uh, uh, those people were looking for a change, just like we live in the world today. The, the young people are always looking for a change. They, they are. That's just, that's... That's their bent. That's the way that, that they've been created to, to look for something different, to find a better way or a, a better path. And that in and of itself isn't always a bad thing. But I caution you to be careful who you listen to. Be careful who listen to. Be careful who, who grabs your, your mind and has your heart's attention because uh, they may not have your best uh, um, uh, agenda at, at heart. They may not care about about your well-being and things of that nature. And so we know that. And, you know, in our country right now, what we're seeing a lot of, you know, with Antifa and the young people on the college campuses, not all of them, but by and large, we're seeing a lot of, uh, of animosity and angst towards uh, American capitalism, American uh, financial strength. And so, you know, it's aimed at the young people. Young people want, want to see change. And really, a lot of the people that you, that you hear from, they, they want something socialistic and model, even though they can't name one country that's been successful as a socialist nation, they still think that that's the, the right way to go. And so that's something going on in our nation right now. And, you know, Hitler believed this. This is one of his quotes. You know, he said it, of course, in German, but in English it comes out like this. If you say something loud enough... And long enough, people will believe anything. If you say something loud enough and long enough, people will believe anything. So he went after the young people. And after he caught the hearts and the attention and the dreams of his nation's youth, he then took the same uh, um, doctrine and he took it to his military troops. 
And he uh, saturated them with his policies, with his dreams, with his desire, with his idea, his vision for future Germany. And, of course, them being, you know, really at the government's mercy, had to really capitulate to the things that Hitler wanted to do. And uh, I, read, uh, I read a lot of these men's testimonies who were a part of the concentration camps, who, who uh, dropped the, the pellets in to uh, gas the, the Jews in mass, who pulled levers to, uh, uh, to also start the flow of, of, the, of the toxic gases that killed the people. They didn't even realize what they were doing. They said this, we were just following orders. And when you get the young people and you get the strength of the military, it's not too difficult to convince the rest of the nation to follow along in suit. Make sense, saints? And we can see that same thing happening in the different nations of the world. I talked about uh, uh, the, uh, the leader of uh, North Korea this morning, and he uh, has that same kind of bent, that same kind of attitude about capturing the minds of the young people and also indoctrinating his military uh, with his policies. And so it's not difficult to get a nation to fall right into line and to be like good ducks all in a row and just following uh, their leader. And so Hitler and uh, what is uh, the Korean's name? I can't even think of it right now. Thank you. You know, and so he's, he, their they're, uh, pictures, their symbols, their uh, uh, symbolic of, of how easy it would be for a one world leader, not a one nation leader, but a one world leader to come into power, to, to rise up in the last days. And we know him when the Bible calls him or labels him as the Antichrist, right? It's a term you're familiar with. And there have been many people or men who were uh, pegged to be Antichrist over the course of history. If we go back to biblical times, the Emperor Nero uh, was considered to be Antichrist. Um, from the age of the Reformation on, any pope, I'm saying that with not tongue-in-cheek, truly, any pope, has been considered antichrist by the reformers uh, over the course of the years. There's a, a man who's now in heaven named Ian Paisley. Uh, he uh, served uh, in the uh, Irish Parliament, I believe, uh, but he also uh, was a preacher. And he, uh, he, every time you would listen to Ian Paisley, he would say something about the papacy uh, and it having the spirit of antichrist on it or around it all the time. And that still goes on in this day and in this age. Adolf Hitler, of course, uh, fit the mold for the people of his time. We even saw in our, in our nation, in recent years, a man like Bill Gates was, was labeled as possible antichrist. More currently, Elon Musk has been labeled as possible antichrist. And I'll just say this right now. These men, whether it was Nero, a pope, or, or Hitler, or Gates, may have had anti-God philosophies. Jesus warned us that in the last days and in the coming days, that many false Christs and antichrists would arise. And so just because they are anti-God in philosophy doesn't mean they are the antichrist. Make sense? Matthew 24 and verse 11, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. That's what Jesus said. Many false prophets shall rise and they're going to have success. They're going to deceive many. I mentioned this morning, I don't know if it was Sunday school or the morning message. One of the marks of the end days will be how easy deception will run its course. And people will buy into just about anything. I said this, people like shiny stuff. 
If it's shiny, if it glitters, if it has promise, uh, they are attracted to it, they are drawn to it, uh, and and, uh, they can be drawn away very, very quickly and very, very easily. Jesus also said in the Olivet Discourse later on in verse 24, there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that, look at this, saints, look at the language, if it were possible. And so he's saying this, if it were possible, but it's not. They shall deceive the very elect. Now, who are the very elect now? The born-again believers are a part of the very elect. A born-again believer cannot fall into this web of deceit and deception and false prophets. You've been given Holy Spirit discernment. Use it. Amen. John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time, 2,000 years ago. And as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come, even now, we, even now are there what? Many Antichrists. The spirit of Antichrist, the doctrine of Antichrist, the philosophy of Antichrist permeates the world uh, that you and I live in, whereby we know that it is the last time. So here's what's going to happen. There is coming, and and we don't know exactly when. I'll give you a little bit of insight tonight from what I can discern from my Bible study. There's coming this one one world ruler called Antichrist, called other things in the Bible, the beast, the man of sin, the son of perdition, that wicked, the prince that shall come. We can go on and on. Several titles, but one man is going to fit the, 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 uh, the Bible prophecy, the Bible prediction, absolutely perfect, perfectly. And he's going to be an all-powerful, one-world ruler during the last days. And you'll, it, it'll be mostly during that tribu- tribulation period. Make sense? So that's what's happening. And so that's when we talk about Antichrist. We're not talking about all of the philosophies that are going around the world today, all of the false prophets that are, that are spewing out uh, bad doctrine and poor theology uh, all over the world. We're not talking about that. We're talking about one man, one supreme ruler of the world who will be the, ba- the beast, the man of sin, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, that wicked, the prince that shall come. Now, I was thinking back to when I first started being exposed to end times teaching. I was going uh, to a church called Desert Gateway Baptist Church in Gilbert, Arizona. And uh, I was uh, working there with the pastor and he had a man come in. Uh, I think it was for like a four-day seminar or preaching series on the end times. And Kathy, do you remember this? He had a chart that went all the way around the room. All the way around the auditorium he had this chart. Uh, of the dispensational truths. And it was just full of all kinds of, of nuggets and treasures and gold. Uh, it, very exciting things that were going on. And he was an older man. I mean, I mean, older than I am now. Somebody say amen. And so he was an older man. He had a lot of wisdom. He had a lot of miles uh, of preaching under his belt. No doubt about that. He was good. He was a sound Bible preacher. He was a very good doctrinal teacher. His theology would line up with your theology tonight and my theology tonight. But, you know, he's talking about this, this Antichrist, and how there's going to be a time when all the world could see him at the same time. Now, follow along here. And he was presenting this, get this, on an overhead projector. 
Remember those? I mean, the thing that was so hot, it would, it would put a scar on your hand. You had to make sure you got the, quote, transparency the right way, or it would display backwards or upside down, like the devil's language on, on the screen. So you had to be careful about what you were doing there. And so that was the, that was the technology, and that, was, that wasn't that long ago. That was the mid-1990s. I know that Aaliyah wasn't born yet, but I'm talking about most of us who were born. It wasn't that long ago, 30 years ago. That was, excuse me, that was cutting-edge technology. Because you could take uh, that, that squirty stuff, and you could take a paper towel and wipe your marker off and, and do the slide over again. It was the first kind of recycling and repurposing we knew in the 90s. And that was the best that it was. And not everybody had cable TV yet. Not everybody had a cell phone yet. I didn't have a cell phone yet. Kathy didn't have a cell phone yet uh, at that time. So, you know, it was almost like we were living in the dark ages. Right? But technology, if we just go back from overhead projectors in 1996 or so, technology has picked up at a truly alarming rate. I'm going to give you some numbers. I know they're going to make you gloss over, but just listen to this for a second. It took almost 40 years for there to be 50 million listeners of the radio. 40 years for there to be 50 million radio users. 40 years. Got that? It took 13 years to get the same amount of TV users. We're, we, are, we are largely a more visual than audio people. We are by nature. So it took 13 years to get 50, 50, million, excuse me, 50 million TV users. It gets faster. It took four years to get 50 million people using the Internet. 40, 13, 4. Get ready. Facebook had 100 million subscribers in nine months. Hulu and Netflix can get 300 million uh, new subscribers in one year's time. So now you can see how this technology has, has uh, put itself out there in such an incredible, uh, such an incredible number of venues, a, a different outlets, different arenas, whether it's social media and Facebook, you know, Facebook is something that our church uses. We live stream on Facebook. Our services go out on Facebook. Uh, they don't charge a penny for that. Amen. That makes me nervous. Just saying. Then we also have sermonaudio.com, and we do pay a monthly fee for that. And that's, that's completely all of the live streaming on that uh, on that the particular uh, Internet site is all uh, sermons, maybe not exactly... Uh, 100% doctorally in line with where you and I are tonight, but pretty much it's good stuff, it's truth, it's powerful, it's helping people, souls are being saved, all those good things. But then you take social media like Facebook and Instagram and uh, what else What else is out there for the young ones, for you Gen Zers? Snapchat, what else? TikTok. TikTok. Oh, how could I forget about TikTok? That's the way the Chinese are getting all of our secrets. I'm kidding about that. But anyway, they might be, I don't know. Oh, yeah, they already have them. So, yeah, so it doesn't matter. But, you know, they have all these outlets. And so we're talking about millions and sometimes billions of users being able to, can I borrow this? Sure. 
to look at their phone at the same time and hear a speech live. So now, here it is 30 years since, I, since the guy was using an overhead projector. And now it's starting to make some sense on how a one-world ruler could captivate an audience at one time in our lives. Pretty amazing stuff. And it, it's just going to keep on going up and up and up. And you're kind of following this AI stuff, the artificial intelligence, the chatbots. You've already probably been exposed to chatbots. You didn't even realize it when you called customer service and you said representative. And it said, uh, oh, you want to order a new phone? No, representative. Oh, do you want to pay your bill? No, I want to talk to a human being. It has a few flaws. And it might be sadly, fatally flawed, if you know what I'm saying. Then we had, of course, in 2020, we had the COVID lockdown, shutdown, shelter in place, all that nonsense that was going on. And one of the, the byproducts of that was that protocols were put in place to, for a, renew, a renewed call, a renewed call for a worldwide economic overhaul. Have you heard this before? I know you have. They call it the great what? The great reset. So that came out of of the COVID lockdown. So many companies, they just shut down. They they shuttered and they did not come back uh, into play. Jobs were lost, all the different things. And so they said, oh, I know what we can do. We can get all of the governments of the world together. And we're from the government and we're here to help. And we're just going to completely redo the world financial system. That kind, of, that kind of talk should make you very nervous. They had a, a big meeting with the International Monetary Fund. And uh, I can't remember the, the guy's name. Uh, Klaus Schwab. That's his name. Klaus Schwab. He, he said a lot of things in a speech during 2020 and I think even into 2021. He said this great reset is, is designed to, I want you to hear these words, rebalance economies promote fairness and financial equity. I want you to hear that again. Rebalance economies, promote fairness and financial equity. I want to educate you. Those are all buzzwords for modern day socialism. It's the haves and the have nots. And the have nots do not realize that they will not have. That's why these impressionable college students say, yes, let's get rid of of capitalism. Give me socialism. They have no idea because they have no idea what they're asking for because they haven't been educated, only indoctrinated. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, the quickest way, the quickest way, and I think you'll agree with this, the quickest way to grab the attention of a populace is to make a bold financial promise, especially a good, bold financial prom- promise. If you can get them to believe that you have the answer to their financial woes, that you could do away with recessions and depressions, that you could minimize inflation, that you could give them more bang for their buck, you're going to have their attention. And the Bible talks about how much the love of money twists and corrupts the world that you and I live in. I'm going to talk about this in greater length next time we're together on a Sunday evening for uh, part two of the Antichrist. This is what it says in 1 Timothy 6.10. Money is the root of all evil. Is that what it says? No. For the love of money 
is the root of all evil. Make sure you understand that. It's not a matter of semantics. It's a matter of, effect, of affections and priorities. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And so you, you, there's this call to overhaul the world economies, not just the U.S. economy, the world, the globe economies. Uh, we're going to promote fairness and financial equities. We're going to rebalance economies. Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to fix our financial woes, and people are going to be drawn to this idea, this idea of of, of being uh, of being uh, financially solvent and having all their problems answered by this one world leader who's going to come with great power and with great promise. Amen, saints. Amen. Amen. Now, what else is going on in the world today? Well, we are in the throes. And if you don't know it, we are in the throes of secular humanism. It's, all, it's again, it's on a rise on an incredible rate. Just as fast as technology is, is uh, increasing, so is the rise in the popularity of secular humanism. Secular humanism, by its very label, is anti-God in root and in philosophy. It's secular humanism. Secular, not sacred. Humanistic, not divine. Secular humanism is, is the, uh, the uh, permeating philosophy of our day. It's a God-denying philosophy. It mocks biblical morality. Uh, they think the Ten Commandments are just the most uh, outdated waste of time, uh, waste of, of, of breath on the planet, not worth the, quote, the paper that they're printed on. I tend to disagree wholeheartedly. I believe that they are the answer for man's woes, that it, that it does establish a civil and just society. If we will just learn to abide by those Ten Commandments, it teaches us how to love God and how to treat our fellow man. But that's not what human, uh, human uh, secular, uh, secular humanism wants to teach. They teach you the exact opposite thing. A couple of documents that are uh, a big part of the human uh, secular uh, doctrine of philosophy are called the Humanist Manifestos. And the, the latest one, which isn't really that recent, is called Humanist Manifesto 2. And I want to read a quote from this because it's, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, get a springboard from this quote. It says, in, it's, this is word-for-word, cut-and-paste quote, We deplore, us secular humanists do, we deplore the division of humankind on nationalistic grounds. We have reached a turning point in human history, where the best option, I want you to underline that in your mind right now, where the best option is to transcend the limits of national sovereignty and to move toward the building of a world community in which all sectors of the human family can participate. Thus, we look to the development of a system of world law and world order based on a transnational government. So that little two or three sentences, that paragraph there, what it encapsulates is this, is that the secular humanists would love to do away completely with nationalism and patriotism. No more God bless America. No more God bless anything. Right? They would like to see the dissolving of America. There's a, there's a move. I believe it. You know, there's a move afoot right now to turn this continent 
into one globalization. Instead of being Canada and Mexico and the United States, to just call it North America. There's a movement right now. Say, well, how would that work? Well, we have a socialist uh, uh, economy to the south, and one to the nor- one of the north is becoming more and more socialist. Right? It wouldn't take much to merge all three together in one big, happy, messed up, dysfunctional family. Somebody say amen. amen. So that's the idea. So they don't want people to be have pride for their country. Now they like it. The left likes to do it when it's a blue state, red state thing. They want you to have, be divided along political ideology. But they want you to get in line and to coexist with their philosophy of globalizing the world so we can have a one world law and a one world government. I hope that that makes your skin crawl. But I also hope that makes you have to have this anticipation. Jesus is coming soon. The, the signs of the times are everywhere. So all of this is going on. And the Antichrist needs this to be the reality. A one world order. A, a one world government. A one world religion. We'll get that in a minute. A one world economy. All those things uh, have to uh, come into place. The Antichrist will fit very nicely into the secular humanist ways and mold. He'll fit very nicely like into a glove. And he will be largely adored by the world's population, the world that's left behind. We talk about the believers already being in heaven, being with Jesus, enjoying him already. All those things are true. The rapture of the saints has already occurred. Somebody say amen. But this Antichrist is going to come to power. And John saw it in Revelation chapter 13. And what he saw uh, caused him a lot of trouble down in the depth of his soul. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy, secular humanism. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were like as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon, that will be Satan in this instance. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat in great what, saints? And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? He's going to be the most adored, the most worshipped human figure ever in all of human history on the face uh, of the planet. They are going to come to him uh, in absolute droves with, with, uh, with, with undying adoration. And it talks about this beast coming out of uh, the sea, the sand of the sea. It's talking about the sea of, uh, of humanity, the, the human population. Uh, I believe personally we're talking about the old Roman Empire, the Mediterranean area, the Arab nations of the world. I believe that's where the Antichrist will rise from. We'll talk more about that uh, in a future lesson. He's going to have characteristics of a leopard and a bear uh, and a lion, all land animals, all hunters, all voracious hunters uh, who devour and they tear the flesh uh, of their prey. 
Some say that this leopard and bear and lion uh, combination uh, has to do with the mixture of race, that this man may not be a pure uh, uh, Arab or, or pure Caucasian or pure European, whatever the case may be. There might be a mixture of race that has to do with the lion uh, and the bear uh, and the leopard. It might be a mixture of beliefs to, 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 uh, to try to, uh, in, uh, to enamor a, a, a world that wants to believe anything. They say it loud enough and long enough, they will believe anything. Thing. Maybe a mixture of beliefs, a little bit of humanism, a little bit of, uh, uh, of generic God stuff, little G God stuff, that kind of thing might come into play. Or it could be also a mixture of political ideologies. And that's kind of what the world's gonna, going to need, the way things are going right now, is somebody who can appease both sides of the aisle, both colors of the rainbow, the red and the blue state. Somebody say amen. Come on. So there's all these things that are going to be happening. And all these things are going to be about him. And he's going to be a man of great power and great authority that is completely diabolical in nature. The devil himself is going to be the one who empowers this antichrist, this beast, this son of perdition, this man of sin. And he's going to be something very, very special. The world's going to be drawn to him. He's going to captivate the world's attention. He's going to have all the answers to the world problems. He's going to answer the financial issues of the day. He's going to fix all the religious rifts of the day. He's going to join together people who have not been able to join together by, by all kinds of different uh, uh, of presidents and prime ministers and peace negotiators. He's going to be able to broker peace in the Middle East and cause the Gentiles and the Jews to sign a treaty. It's all going on. It's all going to happen under the power of the Antichrist. I, I have a hard time. I don't know if you do. I don't like anybody that much. <laughs> Amen? And you don't like anybody that much. And the chances of you and I liking the same guy that much? Wow. But let's put the energy of Satan behind it all. And if it were possible, if it were possible, he could deceive the very elect. Thank God it's not possible. Somebody say amen. Wow. I like this stuff. This is, this is better than name that hymn. It really is. <laughs> The Antichrist is going to be skilled in diplomacy. He's going to be able to speak great things. Daniel talks about this in Daniel 7, verse number 8. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, Antichrist, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a what? A man and a mouth speaking great things. You've heard people, prime ministers, presidents in your lifetime give moving speeches. They gave you goosebumps. You probably sat there in your recliner and you were like, wow. But this guy is going to speak to the hearts of the unbelieving world that's left behind during the time 
of the tribulation. He's going to speak great things. He's going to be so skilled in diplomacy. But remember that skill is coming from the devil himself. Do not be deceived. And the false prophet will come to his side and the false prophet will lend him credibility in the religious realm, in the areas of worship. Again, the false prophet, if he had the power, would be able to deceive the very elect. Uh, over in verses 11 and 12, same chapter, uh, chapter 13 of Revelation, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a what? Man, that's gentle, isn't it? I'm thinking about a lamb. John the Baptist saw a lamb. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the what? The sins of the world. But this lamb is a counterfeit lamb. This is not Jesus. This is not the Savior. This is not the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is the Antichrist religious sidekick, if you will. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Everybody who's left on the planet at this time will look to the Antichrist. They will bow their heads. They will bow their hearts and they will worship him. Let me just give you a little bit of insight about the great God of heaven. The great God of heaven is a jealous God. And His glory He will not share with another. So something bad is in the mix for the beast and the false prophet. Right? Okay. You know that's going to be in the future yet. But we're not going to get there tonight. But I know you're very excited about it. Aren't you, saints? Yes. The, the nations are going to be uh, willing to relinquish their power to the beast. They're going to give him uh, all their power and authority that they have. Uh, and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which, ye have, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Like I said, he's very skilled in diplomacy. He will talk them into whatever needs to be talked into in order for his ag agenda to come center stage. Amen, saints? He'll command what I would call cult-like worship. Everybody will worship him. There won't be any choice. Great power and authority all backed up uh, from, the, from the depths of hell itself. But he, even though the devil's going to be the one behind him, he's going to be the one whose agenda he's really promoting, he's going to look so good doing it. Everybody's going to say, yeah, finally, finally, 6,000 years of human history, and finally, a politician I like. Finally, a banker I can trust. And a preacher I can respect. Yeah, they're going to be sucked into this hook, line, and sinker, drawn into all this. And it's not going to end well for them. We'll get to that uh, in a coming lesson. He's going to spew anti-God rhetoric. Again, in Revelation 13, verses 5 through 6. And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. If you do the math, that's three and a half years. 
That's three and a half years. 84 months is seven years. Seven years is the entire span of the tribulation, right? And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. I'm telling you, saints, this is secular humanism uh, coming to the forefront and it's, it's coming loud and clear. I hope that you have eyes to see this tonight. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle in them that dwell in heaven. If I read that right, he's going to blaspheme us because we're already going to be with Jesus, safe in the arms, amen, in the everlasting arms. And then he's going to commit what we would call, or the Jews would call, excuse me, the ultimate act of blasphemy against the Jewish people. The ultimate act of blasphemy against the Jewish people in the middle of the tribulation at the three and a half year point and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image let's go back to the to the to the ten commandments how many graven images supposed to be making none right Uh, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. When I read that this afternoon, my mind lit up with artificial intelligence. <laughs> it's right on. We're right on the cusp of it right now. Right now they're starting to dabble in it, It won't take long. It'll take a few years to really start to perfect it and to put it into practice into everyday life. And so this thing can come, come, quote, to life. It can convince uh, men to do things. It can convince women to sell things. It can convince people to worship things. All these things are going to happen. It caused that as many would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So anybody who's not going to get in line, they're going to be eliminated because they're not a part of this Antichrist cult. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4 is another picture of this Antichrist setting himself up in the temple as God, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. When that happens... All of the Jews who know their stuff are going to have a very sick feeling in the pit of their heart, pit of their stomach, that they had just, they had, they have been in league with the devil himself. Because this man's going to go in, he's going to completely desecrate this, this temple, this tribulation temple, which, by the way, if you're following the news, there's right now there's a war going on in Israel. It's called the Israeli Hamas war, right? And I told you a few weeks ago on a Sunday night that every time since 1948 that Israel has been involved in a conflict, every time they have gained territory. And I can see what's going on right now. They could easily regain Gaza, easily. But do you know what they really want, don't you? The Temple Mount. That's what they really want. Because there's this organization in Israel right now called the Temple Mount Institute, who have been building the 
temple furniture now for years. Pastors in our circle of friends have been over there, have seen some of this stuff. One of the men saw the golden candlestick they, they've put together. Three million dollars worth of pure gold they've put together. The, the temple furniture is all being established. All they need is a temple. All they really need is the property to put the temple on. This could be the war where Israel regains the Temple Mount and begins that construction again. Hey, if that happens, you get real, real excited. Amen. Matter of fact, get your house in order with God and make sure that you know, that you know, that you know, that you're not playing along here at Liberty Baptist Church. This is not name that tune. This is real life stuff. Jesus is coming again. Now, when will he come? I don't know. I don't know. We have some insight again in Second Thessalonians. I'll tell you what, what I know so far, and then we can go from there. We're almost done. Now, I, now we, Paul, writing to the church of Thessalonica, now we beseech you, brethren, believers, right? Right? Brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's an event. That's a, that's a prophetic event, right? The coming is coming. And by our gathering together unto Him. So something prophetic and blessed, the blessed hope has occurred, right? The believers are with Jesus. Are you following that so far? Okay. Now look at verse 2. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. Will they try? Yes. Absolutely. Will they try to sell you a book? Will they try to sell you a book that makes no sense? That has no biblical basis? Yes, they will. Let no man deceive you by any means. Will they buy radio time? Will they buy TV time? Will they have a nice, shiny, very good-looking live stream? Absolutely, all these things. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Now, I believe that we're seeing at least the infancy, maybe even further along, maybe even the adolescence of apostasy in the 21st century. There's been a lot of falling away from the faith. We know this, we know this is true. Church attendance had been dwindling. And, and COVID didn't help things. Somebody say amen. When they, when they locked down, shut down, shelter in place, all different things, that, that helped, uh, no doubt, speed things up in the apostasy realm. Church planting, I can only speak for our country, church uh, planting is decreasing at an alarming rate. Uh, there's just this, this, uh, this mindset that it's, there's just no use, that people are too hard, that we're not right for any new great awakenings or third awakenings or whatever the case may be. So there's not a real push or endeavor to plant Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches in the United States of America. So we're already seeing, no doubt, at least the fringe, would you agree, the fringe of apostasy, the fringe of falling away? A little bit? Okay. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, then... And that man of sin be revealed. So, as I read this, the falling away, the apostasy, and the revealing of Antichrist are going to kind of go hand in hand. 
here's what, I'm, here's what I want to tell you. The Antichrist could very well be alive right now. As a matter of fact, if the coming of Jesus is as close as it feels to this preacher, he is alive right now. He, he is. But if I'm wrong and we're still a thousand years away, then somebody can preach the same message a thousand years from now. Somebody say amen. And be excited because we're already going to be in heaven because, hey, we have, we have lived our life. We have finished the course. Somebody say amen. So, so that's okay. But I'm just saying this. He could be revealed right now. He could be alive right now. Uh, at, revealed as, I'm sorry, hand in hand with the apostasy. He could be revealed during that time. He'll be revealed fully in his power. A falling away first. And that that man, man of some, the son of perdition, same person, same, just different ways of, of labeling him, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped. So that as he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Somebody say, wow. It could be happening. It could happen in our lifetime, no doubt about it. It may not happen for a, a million lifetimes. I don't know. I'm not a date setter, but I am a sign watcher. And signs of the times are everywhere. Keep looking up. Your redemption draweth nigh. I was... Uh, was it, I don't know when it was, this year that there was a coronation of uh, Prince Charles to be King Charles? Was that this year? And I heard a lot of uh, preachers and, and believers talking about the coronation of, of King Charles, and they were just so enamored by how much Bible symbolism there was in the coronation of the king. Let me just tell you, that it's symbolic only when it comes to King Charles. He is an anti-God, secular humanist to his core. He wants to... I want, you to, I want, to, I want to read this to you because I, when I, I, I wrote it down and I had a hard time believing what I was writing. King Charles wants to structure a new world economy around guaranteeing the rights of nature. That's what I said. What does that even mean? He wants to structure a new world economy around guaranteeing the rights of nature. Already $10 billion has been earmarked to preserve biodiversity and set for achieving net zero emissions by 2050 worldwide. The end goal being this, this will sound so familiar, as part of the development of an equitable, more prosperous society. Question, for who? For the haves, not so much for the have-nots. Everybody said, thank you, Father, for this time together tonight. Thank you for the ability to look into your word and to see um, prophecy coming to life and, and coming into fruition right before our very eyes. Father, we thank you that we have a blessed hope in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And even if he doesn't come in our lifetime, we know this, that when this life is over, we will forever be with the Lord. And Father, that's a blessing in and of itself. And Father, as believers, just help us to be mindful at the times. Help us to be mindful of those who are without Christ who are without hope in this world, who are of men most miserable. 
uh, to share the light of the gospel, to see souls saved for the furtherance uh, in the advance of your kingdom and for your ultimate glory. Father, we do ask these things and pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing Christ Returneth Again tonight. I think it's 204. 204 in your hymnal if you want to grab your hymnal. Let's all stand. This will be our time of response. Christ returneth, hallelujah, hallelujah.